Well, again, good morning. My name's Tony, a lead pastor here at Gateway. So glad that you're here with us. You know, this week we were kicking off a brand new five-week series called the 30-Day Easter Challenge. Uh, We had gone out and purchased books, devotional books, to go with this for 30 days. Uh, You know, the challenge was going to be come out for Easter, be a part of Easter, and then for the next 30 days we challenge you to just walk with Jesus step with Jesus for a while. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, COVID-19 has changed all of that, but I do want to start this series off this week, uh, the preaching series, and we'll get creative and maybe this week try to figure out ways that we can engage you in this material. But this book was going to have daily devotionals that went along with the messages, uh, but we're not going to be able to do all of that. Uh, We did get permission to do this event Uh, But we were not allowed to hand anything out. We wanted to take communion with you this week as well and do things and try to get creative and keep you as safe as possible. Uh, But we're just listening to our, uh, you know, our government officials and our leaders and, and we're doing things just different these days, as you all know. But let me start off today by uh, just saying this very simple phrase. It's hard to see beauty in something that is really ugly. It's really hard to see beauty in something that is ugly. Now, if you don't believe me, what I have now in the next minute and 40 seconds is a short video of five of the world's ugliest dogs. Watch. Now, let me tell you, that was ugly. I mean, I, I'm not a, I, I love animals. I have two dogs. I have a lot of animals in my house because my kids like animals. But we, we have a lot of animals. And some of those dogs just needed to maybe uh, been put out the pasture. I don't know. But they were ugly. Let me tell you, it's hard to see beauty in the ugly. It really is. How do you fix that? I mean, you know, there's, there's only so much a haircut and a shave will fix. Those things were so ugly, I don't think there's any fixing that ugly. They were ugly. 
the statement at the end, and here's what it said, and, and I find this to be true. This is what the statement said. You don't love an animal because he is beautiful. He is beautiful because you love him. And everybody says, oh, you know, all oh, that's sweet, that's kind. But ugly dogs, whew, it's hard to see the beauty in some of those, those mutts. But, but that's not the only ugly that we have to endure. It's hard to see beauty in something that is ugly. But what about in life? It's not easy to find beauty in the ugliness of life either. Right now we're going through COVID-19. Right now we're uh, holed up in our houses, in our cars. We can't get out and say hi to one another. We can't shake hands. We can't interact with people. It's crazy. I mean, people are really afraid and people are freaking out and people are worried and some people are sick and some people are dying and some people are in the hospital grasping for their last breath and trying to get all the air they can it's a scary time i mean covid19 and this pandemic is it's ugly people are losing their jobs i mean people are uh, out of work and They're starting to see bills coming in and no money to pay for them. With all that ugliness and you step back and you say, where's the beauty? It's hard to see beauty in those things that are ugly. But not like we haven't seen ugly before, right people? I mean, COVID-19 is an ugly event in our history and something we're all going through, but we've all experienced the ugly of life. We read about in the history books the Black Plague where it killed hundreds of thousands of people, right? I mean, entire cities wiped out. I mean, we've read about the Black Plague. We've read about the Holocaust. We've read about cancer and we've experienced cancer and we've had loved ones with cancer and we've gone through cancer and all the things that happened there and it's ugly. If you've ever sat next to the bed of someone who is slowly passing away because cancer is eating them up from the inside out. It's not pretty. And it's hard to see the beauty in that. But we also hear of wars. Wars are ugly. We hear about natural disasters, murder in our streets. You turn the news on and just like everything's so ugly. It's hard to see the beauty in that. And what about the ugly in our relationships? What about the ugliness of divorce? Man, that's not pretty. What the family goes through and the kids and the husband and the wife. And when a family breaks apart, it's like, or when there's a separation, it's like wrapping your body in duct tape and ripping it off. It's not pretty. It's ugly. Trying to find the beauty in that. I used to be a crisis intervention counselor years ago. And it always amazed me when I would deal with a family and children of abuse and things like that. It always amazed me of what even a parent could do to their own child. You know, the human race has such incredible ability to do good. And we also have such an incredible potential to do bad. And so we see the ugliness of life. We see the ugliness. And We see the shocking things that people do and the shocking things that people say and the shocking things that people think about other people. And the truth is, all the good in humanity, we also have to deal 
with the ugly. Can I be honest with you for just a moment? Actually, I'm pretty honest through this whole thing, but I just want to get real with you for a moment. I get it. Those of you that are skeptical, those of you that are having a hard time putting your faith in God, those of you who are having a hard time trusting God, believing in God, following God, I get it. When you look at life and you see the ugly, it's hard to see the beauty. And you think to yourself, I I understand that sometimes we just can't see God in all of that because God's supposed to be good and God's supposed to be beautiful. And there's so much bad and ugly. I get it. As a matter of fact, some of you have stopped believing in God way back when you were a teenager. Maybe you were raised up in the church. And when you turned 18, you just saw so much bad and you couldn't equate the, the good and the bad and God and, and all this. And you just walked away. You just left. You just couldn't see the beauty in the ugly. And if there's nothing there, if, if you know, something happened to you, you experienced ugliness Somebody did something to you. Somebody said something to you. God didn't come through for you and ugly happened. You lost a loved one. You endured abuse. You saw too much. And you just quit believing because you doubted God. And because you doubted God, you began to not believe in God. And because you didn't believe in God, you just stopped altogether. And I get it. You cannot trust God who allows such ugliness to happen all around us. If God is good, why is there so much bad? If God is love, why is there so much hate? If God is beautiful, then why the ugly? I get it. And I need to tell you, though, this morning about another ugly event. And I'm going to be honest. I It's not going to help my case (laughs) trying to prove to you, trying to inspire you to believe. It's not going to help my case to tell you this ugly event and story because I'm here this morning. I'm telling you right now, I'm here this afternoon trying to help you, trying to inspire you to believe. My goal at the end of this message, at the end of this service, is that you would believe in Jesus, that you would put your faith in Jesus. I'm telling you right now, at the end of this message, I'm going to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus as your personal Savior, to begin to follow Him. But this story that I'm about to tell you is not going to help my case. Because so many of us don't believe in God because we see so much ugliness all around us. And if God is good, how can there be bad? If God is beauty, how can there be ugly? But this story is important to understanding the resurrection. It's a story of Jesus and his crucifixion. It's not going to help my case because the crucifixion was ugly. Jesus died a hideous death. He died an ugly death. He died a horrific death. He died on a cross through a Roman crucifixion. Now, the crucifixion was, some say, the most hideous and ugliest way for a person to die. The Roman soldiers had perfected the method of crucifixion. They perfected it. It was a terrible, terrible way to die. They would beat a person till they were almost 
dead. And then they would strap a beam on your shoulder, make you carry that beam outside the city, strip you naked, sling you up on this cross beam, nail you to that cross, rope you to that cross, and they would let you hang there for the world to see, naked, bloody, and eventually, and when I say eventually, sometimes you would hang there for days until you suffocated on your own, the weight of your own body. It was more than just an execution. It was torture. And it was humiliation. It was a terrible way to die. And Jesus died a crucified death. He died in a crucifixion. It's hard to imagine. It was cruel and it was ugly. The cross shows us the ugliness, the ugliest part of humanity. The cross exemplifies and and lays out for the whole world to see just how ugly we can be. For Jesus was an innocent man, condemned of a made-up trial, a real criminal let go in his place. Jesus was innocent, but yet he died a criminal's death. And it gets worse than that. It's one thing to say, well, an innocent man died. But then when you look at the story and you say, well, wait a minute. The supposedly son of God died on the cross. If God is good, why so much bad? If God is beautiful, why so much ugly? Right? It just doesn't help my case to tell you this story about the cross Because when you see it, you say, how could God let that happen? How could God let that be? How could God let such ugliness become? You cannot look at that scene and see anything beautiful. Unless you understand the resurrection. This is actually a stumbling block to so many people. They won't believe. They can't believe. They can't bring themselves to understand how a God, a father, would let his own son die in this manner. And I guess that makes sense. I mean, if you really look at it, it makes sense to look at that scene and look at that and say, yeah, God's not good. God's not beautiful. God's not caring. God doesn't concern himself with me. God's distant. God doesn't exist. I get all that. But when you see it in the light of the resurrection... When you look at the cross from this point of view through the resurrection, you see that even though it's hard to see the beauty and the ugly, the resurrection transforms the ugly into beauty. The resurrection can take a scene like a crucified man, a cross, a crucifixion, a bloody mess, and turn that into something beautiful. Resurrection is redemption. Resurrection is redemption. Resurrection is transformation. The resurrection doesn't make the cross less barbaric. Because the resurrection happened doesn't make the cross less ugly. It doesn't make it less barbaric. It doesn't make it a little more kinder or easier to bear. 
No, the cross was ugly, it was cruel, it happened, and just like you and I, we go through things in life that are ugly and unbearable, and we go through things in life because we're human, and we see this ugliness all around us, and this fear, and this anxiety, and all the things that are happening to us in our human state. But the resurrection did not make those things less painful, just like the cross was not less painful. But what the resurrection does do is that it takes through the power of the resurrection. It's so powerful. It takes that moment in history and transforms something like a cross and turns it into something beautiful. It takes a method of execution. The resurrection takes a bloody, ugly, horrific way to die and converts that, changes that into something that we wear around our necks and put on our walls, and put on our churches, put in our sanctuaries. Why? Because the resurrection turns something ugly into beauty. Oh, come on, Tony. (laughs) You don't really believe that stuff, do you? I can hear it already, the skeptics, the skeptics. You don't really believe that, that a man 2,000 years ago died on a cross, that a man 2,000 years ago, you know, was crucified, put in a grave, and three days later on his own, he walked out of that grave? You don't really believe that, which I say back to you is, yes, I do. I do believe that. And then you would say, let me guess, because the Bible tells you so, right? And I would say, no. I don't believe in the resurrection because the Bible tells me so. I believe in the Bible because of the resurrection. You see, without the resurrection, the Bible is just another sacred, ancient, sacred text. It's no different than the Quran or any other sacred text. But with the resurrection... It makes the Bible so much more. I believe in the Bible because I believe in the resurrection, not the other way around. I'm not just telling you a fable or a story or something somebody's passed down over 2,000 years. I'm telling you because the evidence is strong. The evidence is great. The evidence of the resurrection is is before us. And I want to share just a few of those pieces of evidence this morning in hopes to inspire you to consider Jesus this morning. The first one is the the non-Christian witness. The non-Christian witness. Tacitus, which was a Roman historian, wrote in the Annals of 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 Imperial Rome in AD 116, he wrote this, he wrote about, actually, he wrote about Nero burning down Rome, or, you know, and he talks in there about the Christians. And he says this The persons commonly called Christians who were hated for their enormities, Christus, which is Jesus, the founder of the name, was put to death by Pontius Pilate. There's an external source, a Source that's not really, it's not Christian or for Christianity, but he mentions Jesus and he mentions Pontius Pilate. 
Jesus wasn't just some fairy tale. He was real. He walked the earth. Something big happened in his life. Something big happened in the lives around the people then. And it spread out into all of the Roman Empire, eventually into all the world. And even the external sources of the Bible mention this to us. We also have the Jewish historian Josephus who writes about Jesus and his followers. And you can read about this in history. We have the Roman governor Pliny the Younger who uh, complained as he wrote about the Christians and their life. And he said this, he goes, as they would persecute and, and punish these Christians for their faith, Pliny the Younger said this, they would sing hymns to Christ as to a God. External sources that this happened. It was going on all around them. One scholar said this, when you have positive evidence... From a hostile source. In essence, if a source admits a fact that is decidedly not in its favor, the fact is genuine. We have this external biblical sources about Jesus and something that happened back then with Pontius Pilate. And we have these stories of these Christians who put their lives out there. The external source. The bottom line is this. There are witnesses outside of the Bible account that confirm something monumental and transformational happened in the lives of the people who knew Jesus. And it spread like wildfire. But we have other evidence. For me, this is a big one. I like to look at the evidence of the resurrection and I think of the hard cost it, may, it was for following Jesus. I think of the lives that were put on the line to follow Jesus. His disciples, they all faced enormous persecution. Acts 12.2 says this, He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. So one of the disciples earlier, Herod, Herod, the king Herod is who he's talking about here, says that John, James was put to death with a sword. Why? Because he went around preaching and teaching the resurrection of Jesus. Josephus tells us that James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, he says he was stoned to death by Jewish leaders. In the second century, we have Origen, who talks about Peter's crucifixion. And tradition tells us that Peter was crucified upside down. Tradition tells us that all the other remaining apostles, except for John, were martyrs. The evidence, both inside and outside of the Bible, tells us that Jesus' followers died for their belief in the resurrection. I know what you're thinking, because I thought it too. But Christianity is not the only religion to have martyrs. And that's true. There are martyrs of other religions But what makes Christianity different is this. These martyrs died for something that they saw with their own eyes. Their claim was not he was a great teacher. Their claim wasn't that he received some vision from God and shared it with everyone else and died for that. Their claim was not that he was just a great prophet or religious or political leader. No, they made the claim that this Jesus that we followed for three years, he came out of the grave alive after being dead for three days. And that is what got them killed. They died for their belief 
and the resurrection. Their claim was resurrection and that he and that is what got them killed. Many people in history have died for what they truly believe and as a result of what others have told them. The earliest Jesus followers willingly gave up their lives for what they saw with their own eyes. And this is why I believe in the resurrection. Let me ask you this question. It's a great question to consider. Why would anyone die for a lie that they made up? Think about that. Now, I've seen my kids tell a lie and go pretty far out with that lie. And you've seen people and your kids tell lies and they get caught and they tell another lie and they'll take that lie out to a certain point until they're had. But have you ever seen anyone just willingly lay down their life for a lie that they made up? Why would you do that? Their message was that Jesus died and was raised from the dead. And that's what they died for. Their determination to believe and proclaim the resurrection did not bring them fame. It did not bring them power. It did not bring them status. No, it cost them everything. Why would you die for a lie that you made up? So what happened to them? Something changed them. Something drastically shifted in their hearts and in their minds. And this is the third evidence that I have for you. It's this. There was a change of heart. If you don't look at this piece of evidence, if you don't look at the history of this, if you don't look at what happened, if you don't look seriously at why we have 2.5 billion Christians today, then you're missing this very important piece of evidence. Remember Peter? Peter, the I'll never forsake you, Lord, that very next day, sitting around a fire with a young servant girl saying, hey, Jesus is in there getting grilled on trial, looking at death. And this little servant girl says, hey, I know you. You're one of them. You're a follower of Jesus. No, I'm not, he said. He was afraid of a little servant girl. And he denied his Lord because he was afraid. He lied about knowing Jesus. But then after the resurrection, something changed in Peter. Before Jesus' death, and even a few days after, a couple days after his death, Peter was afraid. And now, all of a sudden, in Acts, we see this Peter, after the resurrection, standing on street corners, yelling at the people, thousands of people, letting them know this Jesus that you killed, this Jesus that you put on the cross, in boldness, he stood on a corner and shouted, this is the Jesus that God sent us, God's only son. He died for you and he was raised from the dead. What changed in Peter? The resurrection. The power of the Holy Spirit in his life. There is power in the resurrection. It takes the wrong and makes it right. It takes the lost and makes her found. It takes the broken and makes us whole. It takes the fearful and makes us hopeful. It takes the ugly and transforms it into something that is beautiful. 
Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The resurrection changed them. Peter and the others were changed by the resurrection. God took the worst in us, the ugliest about us, and displayed it on a cross. God took all of our sin and nailed it there. Sin is ugly. It's ugly. Especially when you have to look at it and be honest about it and confess it. All our past and present sins, all our wrongs and our regrets, all our shame can be painful to face, ugly to look at. But listen, there on that cross, all of it died on Jesus. All of it. All your regret, all your sins, all your ugliness, all your fear, all your shame, it all died with Jesus. Death is ugly, but resurrection is beautiful. Resurrection transforms it all. At the cross and through the resurrection, God forgives and God redeems the worst in us to be something that is good. Something changed in this rough, lying, backstabbing man named Peter. When he saw Jesus alive, the resurrection said to him, I love you, Peter. Now be different. Be beautiful. I love you, Peter, in spite of you, Peter. But the best evidence of the resurrection is this, and this is my favorite of all. It's to me the most compelling piece of evidence that you could ever probably have for the resurrection. I have a little brother, Greg. I love my little brother. He and I talk three or four times a week. Um, I think my little brother has become a great man. Uh, I think he's great. He's talented. I think he's a great husband, a great father. Uh, He loves the Lord, loves his family. He's just a really good guy. And and I respect my brother. And I think I'm very proud of my brother. And I love him. Jesus had a brother. His name was James. It was his half-brother. Jesus loved James, and James was one of many of Jesus' brothers and siblings. But Jesus had a brother. And in John chapter 7, verse 5, it says this. John was talking about Jesus and his ministry and how people weren't following him. And he even says this. He says, For even his own brothers, including James, did not believe in him. So before the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, pre-death resurrection... James and the rest of his family did not believe in Jesus to be the Son of God, to be the Messiah. After the resurrection, though, James becomes one of the most influential and and one of the greatest leaders of the first Jesus movement in Jerusalem. Get this. James becomes the bishop of the Jerusalem church. The city... And the people who crucified Jesus and put him in a grave, the city who wants him dead and tried to stomp out the Jesus movement, James puts his life, his family's life, and everything about him on the line for his brother. 
Now, this doesn't sound like a guy who doesn't believe in him anymore. And so, now think about your brother and your sister for a moment. What would your brother have to do to convince you that he was the Son of God? Think about that. James had a change of heart. James saw the resurrected Lord. James gave his life for the church that Jesus founded upon his death and resurrection. James, who's in history, it would take my brother to tell me that he rose from the dead. For me to see him come out of a grave. For me to believe that he was the Son of God. Even Jesus' own family believed once they saw him alive again. The evidence is overwhelming. The transformation is stunning. And it's hard to see the beauty in the ugly. And I get that. But God did it. God did it. He transformed a crucifixion into a resurrection. When He took something as ugly and as horrific and as repulsive as a crucifixion, the worst of humanity, and God redeemed that into something that is beautiful. Jesus makes all things beautiful. Jesus makes all things beautiful. And here's something that I know to be true in my life and what I think is true in most of our lives. I may not believe in God. I may doubt God. I may be skeptical of God. I may not even think God exists. And I might be so far from God that I don't even know how to get there. But without God, I don't know what to do with my ugliness. Without God, I don't know what to do with all the ugly in my life. The things that I've done, the people that I've hurt, the regrets of choices that I've made, the self-destructive behavior, all my failures that nag me. I go... I can go to counselors and read books and study and spend a life trying to overcome these things. But the truth of the matter is, without God, I don't know what to do with them. My sins are great and I just don't know what to do with my sin. I don't know how to find redemption on my own. Are they with me forever? Do they get the last word in my life? Do, I get to def- do they get to define me? The resurrection says, no way. No way. You see, I need a God who can take the ugly of life, even death on a cross, even death and COVID-19, Even cancer and brokenness and marriages that aren't working and broken relationships and kids that are astray and gone and addictions and all this ugliness that we deal with. I need a God 
that can take all of that and resurrect it into something beautiful, clean, forgiven, redeemed, renewed. This is what Christianity is all about. It's not about controlling people. It's not about rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. It's about a relationship with a God who was crucified but came back out of the grave to give us hope that my life can be redeemed. All of it. Paul said this, another man who saw the risen risen Lord. He said, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ appears, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. Ugly to beauty. The team's going to come right now, and they're going to close us out with a song. The song is called Graves to Gardens. Because that's what the resurrection is all about. Taking the ugly in our life and giving us hope that God will redeem and turn the ugly into beauty. Listen, I'm asking you to open your hearts today to Jesus. I'm asking you to consider the evidence that is strong, the transformation that is miraculous. And I want you to believe today Because Jesus died for you and was raised for you, you can become a follower of His today. Those watching online, there's a salvation slide that clicks up. You can click on that, fill that form out. We'll get with you. Those in your cars, do this. Turn your flashers on as a testimony that I'm giving my heart to Jesus. I'm following Jesus today. If you want, you can visit angolagateway.com fill out a form we would like to connect with you get you some information about following Jesus it's hard to see beauty in what is ugly but God did it he transforms the ugly into beauty and that my friends is resurrection listen to this song and choose today to follow Jesus